the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 149. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Well, last week, we had an amazing author of Overcoming the Odds, a orthopedic surgery resident. This week, we have another author of a book who is also an orthopedic surgery resident. This week, we're talking to Daniel Paul who is an orthopedic surgery resident in Ohio. And he authored the book, So You Got Into Medical School, Now What? A Guide to Preparing for the Next Four Years. Or three years, or five years, whatever long it takes. But I brought him on the show to talk about his book and how it may help you as a pre-med, and most definitely how it will help you as a medical student. And just like last week, I have a couple extra copies to give away, so stay tuned at the end of this interview to find out how you can win a copy of Daniel's book. Daniel, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, and thanks for having me. Not a problem. I want to dig all the way back to when you first realized that being a physician was your calling. Okay. It was probably when I was about 14 years old. My family is just a family of engineers. Now, my dad's a civil engineer. His dad was a civil engineer. My grandfather was a chemical engineer. So I was kind of always on that path to be an engineer. I had a bad skiing accident when I was 14. I uh, broke both my legs and I broke my right arm pretty severely. I missed, wasn't able to walk for a couple months. And then I kind of went from this debilitated state to being able to walk again. And then, you know, eventually, you know, start running. And I ran a lot in high school. And I said, this is pretty amazing. You know, this is really what I want to do. So then at that point, I decided I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon pretty early on. So you have that kind of cliched path of, I was exposed to medicine as a patient or my family member was a patient, and that's what motivated me to be a physician. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my story. <laughs> you know, otherwise, I'd probably be sitting as an engineer somewhere doing <laughs> God knows what. So I'm going to just totally go off the wall here. For your personal statements for medical school, did you write about that path, the, like being injured and how that exposed you to medicine and orthopedics and how you came back and were a runner after that? Yeah, I mean, all my personal statements pretty much wrote themselves. I mean, I just, you know, that was my real reason for wanting to do it. And, you know, so, I mean, that's what I wrote about. Luckily, and I don't know how you want to look, I don't know if you call it luck or not, but those personal statements were always pretty easy to write for me just because I had something to say like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it luck. I would just call it kind of... Just life. Just life, yeah. But it's interesting, and I wasn't planning on going in this direction at all, but there are so many people that have that story, similar stories of being injured or their family members injured or surviving cancer or whatever it may be. And then it comes to writing the personal statement and they get told, to, oh, don't write about that can't write. That's too cliched. and they, Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you got it. Your personal statement, you want to tell the truth and be sincere. If this is the reason why you're doing it, you know, I think that's what you should write about. You know, exactly. Exactly. I think, uh, you know, if you make something up, it's going to sound fake. Exactly. 
All right, enough personal statement writing. So, <laughs> so very early on, obviously, the skiing accident exposed to medicine, obviously, orthopedics having broken many bones, it sounds like. What were your next steps? Obviously, coming from a family of engineers, there's a lot of education in the family. What were your next steps to figure out what it was like and what you needed to do to get into medical school or to be a good pre-med student, even to before medical school? Uh, well, there's some figuring it out. You know, it's, uh, you know, the adjustment from like, let's go way back from middle school to high school is, you know, something to make. You know, my study habits were really that great in middle school. I mean, sorry, in middle school. And they kind of got better towards high school. I mean, at that point, I kind of knew, well, got to get into a good school, you know, so I get into medical school. And then, you know, when I started in college, I ended up going to NYU. And I was just really trying to focus on getting good grades, you know, as best I could. I didn't choose the easiest major. I majored in physics, so I don't know if that hampered me a little bit. It probably did. But, you know, the process of getting into medical school is, is tough. It's real tough. You know, you're competing in a very, it's a very high level. Um, it's a very competitive field. You know, I, you have people that take years off to do something else for a while. And they're, you know, it's very hard to compete with a resume of someone, you know, who, for instance, I had someone in my medical school class who worked for like a pharmaceutical company for like better part of a decade and had tons of papers published and all this stuff. Like I can't compete with somebody like that. Yeah. Or even my, my last guest, Dr. Webb, who was in the military for eight years, deployed as a medic, doing all this cool stuff for his country and then applies to medical school. It's hard as a traditional student to kind of match up against that, but. Oh, definitely. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's tough. I mean, you know, it's doable and a lot of people do it, but it's definitely an extra obstacle. Yeah. And these people, non-traditional applicants, you know, it's, most of them didn't decide they wanted to do medicine for a while. You know, they're just, life's been a little more interesting. They've just done a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to your decision for majoring in physics. What was that decision process like? And why did you choose physics? You know what? I really liked it. I don't know if it's in my DNA or my blood or what you want to call it, but I just really liked it. It was just pure problem solving. You didn't really have to memorize anything. You could, uh, you know, it was difficult. You know, some days I remember had I had a test one time that was two questions long, and uh, I couldn't get part one A. So that means I couldn't get one part one B, C, D, E, F. You know, so I was already starting off with a fifty percent. <laughs> but I mean, I just liked it. I liked that it was challenging in the problem solving aspect of it. I figured if I kind of cultivated that problem solving, you know, ability in myself, it would help me with whatever I would do. But I mean, I still always wanted to, you know go to medical school and become an orthopedic surgeon. That was just how the way I chose to educate myself while I was in college. I'm glad you answered it that way because I think too many people think in their mind, oh, I, I want to be a doctor. I need to study chemistry. I need to study biology. Oh, yeah. You studied what you liked, which meant you probably did better than if you would have studied chemistry or biology, something you weren't as passionate about. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people major in biology, and I think people think, well, I want to be, you know, get in medical school, I want advantage, or they'll major in neuroscience or something like that. The playing field gets leveled so quickly that I don't think it really matters. Like, yes, if you major in neuroscience, you're going to do a little better on the neuro module, but I don't think the differences are that substantial. The pace is so quick, it goes into so much more detail than most people are probably used to that I don't think I had any real disadvantage, you know, compared to someone who's taken, you know, you know, you have to take the pre-med biology, but it's someone who majored in biology. And then I think the advantage was that once all that's said and done and we're all kind of caught up, I had this another background 
that you know someone who majored in those wouldn't have. And that's not to say people shouldn't major in it. If they like it, they should definitely major in it. But I, I mean, I always was an advocate of you know you can major in anything you want as long as you find it interesting. You know, you have to take the same pre med classes, and I think once you get in, it doesn't really make a huge difference. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. So you're NYU, you are pre med. It sounds like the whole time from the start. When you're there as a pre-med student, who are you seeking out information from? How are you figuring out the process as you go? Well, I mean, I probably could have done a little better in, in that regard. You know, I was kind of focused on physics and I t- obviously knew all the pre-med courses signed up for, so I signed up for them. You know, you talk to your friends, see what they're doing. You know, I guess I'll sign up for the MCAT. I think I took the MCAT my junior year. And then, you know, I mostly talking to other people around me, you know, I probably could have sought better guidance at the time as far as extracurriculars and that sort of thing. Because I think when I apply, actually, you know, I had to apply, I had to apply twice to medical school to get in. I didn't get me in too. until my second, my second time around. I think that's a pretty common story. And, you know, actually people I meet in pretty competitive specialties, it's not uncommon for them to be like, yeah, I had to apply twice. I maybe could have done a little better in that regard. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So it sounds a very common story. Uh, one of my same story that I had as well, except I sought out guidance from my pre-med counselor and was told not to apply to medical school because I was a white male. That's kind of a different story. But that's kind of what we're doing here at the medical school headquarters is being that source of information for students. So if we were around when you were a student, you would have gotten in your first time, I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talk about applying that first time, not getting in. How did you figure out what went wrong and and what did you do to fix that? Well, obviously, I mean, I had a few interviews and a few, I think I was on about three wait lists. So I felt like I was pretty close. Just wasn't quite there. Um, You know, so I reworked my personal statement. I think I did talk to my pre-med advisor. She told me to make a totally new one. But as we talked about before, I'm like, what am I going to write about? This is the truth. I mean, I tweaked it a little bit, but you know, nothing really too substantial. My grades were what they were. You know, thank God I did good during my last semester. You don't want to let that one slide in case you have to reapply. And you know, I took a year off and I kind of I did basically more extracurriculars. I started tutoring. I think I for you know in my old high school and here and there some private tutoring and uh, I just. You know, I did a little bit of volunteer work, you know, at the hospital, you know, kind of standard college student volunteer work, nothing too substantial. I mean, and that was enough to get me more interviews. And then I ended up getting in that cycle. I was kind of um, like, I felt my MCAT was pretty good. I felt my grades were pretty good. I think that's probably where one of my holes were. So I tried to fill it and it ended up working out for me. So I'm interested because you got... It sounds like several interviews the first time and even more the second time. Did you prepare for the interviews differently the second time? I think I remember uh, one of my first interviews, you know, I was wore this gold long sleeve shirt, like button up shirt. And then I think the next year I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I think I changed some little things like that. I just tried to be myself as much as I could. It's hard though. I felt like the, uh, I found it easier for me to get into an orthopedic surgery residency and navigate that whole process than to get into medical school. So like I, I'm by no means an expert getting into medical school. 
you know, I found it difficult and challenging. And uh, I felt like the admissions process really isn't super linear. So, you know, you have people, same exact stats as you doing, you know, getting a lot more interviews, you get interviews at different places. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, I found it very frustrating. And then uh, and I'm sure you probably did as well. But you got in. Yeah, worked right. out, thankfully. And you went to Miami for your medical school? Yeah, I went to University of Miami. Okay, I won't hold that against you as a Gator. Medical school is <laughs> a little different than undergrad, but... Uh, yeah, there are actually a lot of Gators fans uh, at the campus, believe it or not. Yeah, well, it's smart kids all around. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so for medical school, you obviously super committed as a pre-med and undergrad majoring in physics, obviously doing well at NYU. You jump into medical school, having some time off. What was that like, taking that leap from undergrad to medical school? Was it a little shell shock or did you find it doable? Oh, I think it's a little shell shock. I think it's shell shock for everybody. I mean, uh, you know, I used to, even forgetting the year off, you know, I used to my study, it's like, I'll learn the principles of everything. And then I'll apply those principles and that's kind of how I'll succeed. And there's some details to memorize, not a lot. And I think I remember on my first medical school quiz, you know, like I studied it how I, you know, was used to studying. And I'm like, oh my God, they asked me that? They asked me that. I couldn't believe the level of detail that I was being asked about. So I was like, whoa, a little bit of shock to the system. I got to, you know, I had to like change my, I had to like focus my study style a little bit more. Talk about how you did that. So we talk about course correction on the show a lot of, like, I got a bad grade on this quiz. What did I do to get my bad grade? How do I fix it to get a better grade next time? How did you go through that thought process well, to yeah, get a better grade, hopefully? Yeah, I think my lowest grade was probably my first test, which I don't think is too uncommon. I would be willing to guess. You know, it wasn't bad. It was fine, but I could have done better. I think I need to focus on the... I need to pay attention to the, quite the level of detail they're asking for. So I made sure... One of the things I started doing was I'd find a good book chapter about the lectures coming up. And that's how I would get my base of learning. That way I would have time to focus on the things I found confusing or I wasn't sure about and get myself in. I didn't necessarily have to memorize that time, but just get myself a nice base. Because if you just go to lecture kind of blind, you're forced to go at the pace of the lecturer. So if they just skim over a topic you find confusing, you're like, whoa, I didn't, you know, and then you're already moved on. So this way I found it a lot easier to keep up with the lecture. And then afterwards, I, you know, at least at my school, the lectures are recorded in tapes. So you had access to all the PowerPoints. I really wasn't a huge note taker. I'd write things down just so it'd stick in my memory, but I never really looked at my notes again. If you look at them, they're, they're pretty pathetic. And then I would uh, go over the, and make a schedule. So I already read for the lecture. So that's one time I already kind of studied. I went to the lecture. So that's another time. And then um, before the test, you know, I'd really review the lecture. I'd sit down. I'd make stu- I'd, I'd take a piece of paper and write down the relevant facts, I thought, for each lecture as I went through it. And that, in essence, making a study guide. And I made sure I gave myself plenty of time over the course of a while to go through every lecture like that. And that way, I felt like I reviewed it solidly three times. I had a good grasp of the, you know, the details, like the major details and the minor details. And you know, that was good enough to get me a pretty good grade on you know, mostly all the tests. That sounds um, like a pretty good technique even for undergrad or for high school students that are struggling with certain topics. Yeah, I mean, I always did something like that, but I just had to ramp it up for medical school, pay more. It would just take longer because the more details to know. Mm-hmm. 
there's a theory out there or not a theory, but a technique or instructional strategy called the flipped classroom. And it sounds like that's what you were doing. You were flipping the classroom by doing all the instructional stuff beforehand. A traditional flipped classroom is everybody reads the material beforehand and then you just go and talk about the material. But you were kind of doing it on your own, which was pretty great. Yeah, I feel like that helped. Man. I just got so much more out of the lecture. I mean, as opposed to if I just went in blind. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so you get over the shell shock of those first couple tests, the first couple months of medical school. On your journey to obviously being an orthopedic resident at this point as we're recording this, what other challenges did you face, if any? Because ortho is probably one of the more competitive residencies out there. So how did you continue to keep yourself motivated and doing well to be able to apply and get into an ortho residency? So, I mean, while I was learning, I think the thing you don't want to do is while you're going through the first two years, like, oh, this isn't orthopedics. I don't care about it. Oh, this isn't orthopedics. I don't care about it. <laughs> oh, oh no, you mean but- I wasn't supposed to do that? <laughs> but I, uh- <laughs> It's easy to get into that mindset, though, As- oh, especially yeah. for yourself. I wanted to do ortho. I I haven't told you that as we're recording this, but ortho is what I wanted to do going into medical school. That's the only reason I applied. And so we're studying biochem and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is so boring. This has nothing to do with ortho. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, but, you know, you try to learn it. You know, if you can find a way to find the material somewhat interesting, which I think all the material for the most part is in some sort of way, and just focus on learning it while you're there and don't think about too much about ortho or whatever else you want to go into. I think you'll have a lot easier time learning it. You know, like I'm in biochemistry right now, you know, I want to learn all the, all there is to know about biochemistry and then in embryology, you know, same sort of thing. And then, you know, you'll get to the ortho part later, you know, you'll have plenty of time to learn that stuff. But, um, I mean, just kind of, I did that to kind of keep myself interested and motivated during the first couple of years. I um, mean, and then, uh, you know, obviously since it is competitive, you do need to do well on the, the step one. So fair amount of time studying for that thing, which I'm sure you're aware of as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what was that like for you taking step one? So the way I figured out how to study for it is I had a, a friend who was a, a year above me. You know, he went to he went to Yukon Medical School and he had a great method of studying for it, which wasn't too popular at the time. It seems like it's becoming more popular now called like spaced repetition learning, mm-hmm. which is essentially a uh, firecracker. Right. Yeah. I think he used something called Nemazine at the time or people okay. are using Anki. Mm-hmm. or whatnot. He basically parsed up a few of these uh, review books. You know, that was the way he studied for the first couple of years into these flashcards. And then he gave the flashcards to me and then I would just kind of, I would use them all the time. And, and it's one of the ones where, you know, if you, if you know it well, it comes back like less often to the point where if you really know the fact, it's not going to come back like once every six months or whatever it is. And if you don't know it, it keeps surfacing and surfacing and surfacing again and again until it pounds its way into your brain. So that was one of my main study methods that I used. Uh, I mean, it's effective, but painful. <laughs> effective, but painful. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, because you, you have to do it every day. I mean, at least the thing that, that, you know, the cards I used. And if you didn't, they would all pile up. And so that was the only way really to do it. I mean, it was, I mean, it was really effective. I mean, you find yourself knowing these facts. How did I know that? You know, but it's just like it's ingrained into your memory. I mean, I would never use it again, but uh, I used it for that. And, I mean, and, and it worked. I'll never say never. You have your ortho boards to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> Those are still flowing around. All right. So obviously, it sounds like you 
and we talk about this all the time, you figured out what worked well for you. I'm sure looking around at other students in medical school or even as pre-meds, other students were doing things differently than you. And, and that's okay because that worked for them. Yeah, I do think, you know, but I mean, I had friends, you know, smart friends who, you know, they did fine. They do well in medical school, but like they, they were crammers, you know, they would study like a few days before they'd be up all the time. And then afterwards they were so burnt out that they couldn't focus at all, you know, cause they're so tired and recovering until the next test would roll around. They do the same thing. And so I felt like, you know, while you can do still do well on tests by doing that method, I felt it was highly inefficient. You know, I felt like, you know, worse for long-term repetition. I agree. So, I mean, you, you I mean you can certainly do that. I just think it's one of the, one of the least efficient ways to go about it. You had mentioned earlier about applying to medical school versus applying to ortho residencies. Mm-hmm. Why did you think it was so much easier to apply to ortho residencies? What was different about the process for you? Well, I mean, uh, you're going into orthopedic residency. They ask you, why oh, you want to do orthopedics? And it's, well, you know, I had that reason. I have a real reason for wanting to do it. Applying to medical school, it's like, oh, why do you want to come to medical school? I want to be an orthopedic surgeon, you know. <laughs> internists who are interviewing you, which are usually internists or something like that. I don't think they like that their favorite answer to hear. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion though. I don't, you know, I don't really know. Yeah. The stress of applying in the interview day is very different from a medical school to residency as well. Yeah. All right. It's very cool. So along this journey or through this journey, out comes a book. So you got into medical school. Now what? What was your impetus for writing this book? It's kind of what I talked about before. I had, you know, smart, intelligent friends who were doing well. And I'm like, there's just a better way to go about it. You know, like I found them, you know, they would be complaining about a test coming up. The test would be on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Like I can't go out like a week before, you know, and I was always finishing studying by like maybe 10 at the latest, you know, usually earlier than that. I found I just had a lot more free time for hobbies and things that I wanted to do. And I, you know, I thought there's no real good guidebook out there. You know, if there is, I would have known about it or somebody would have known about it. And I remember the anxiety, you know, you get when you get in, it's like two feelings. You're like, oh my God, I got in. You're so excited. And then you're like, oh no, I got in. Like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? So I felt there was nothing really to, you know, that you could be like, okay, here's something that'll kind of tell me what it's about a little bit. Like nothing really, you know, nothing super comprehensive that was, I mean, there was a few things if you look around, but there was nothing that everyone's like, oh, you got to, you know, read this. It'll you know, help you out. So that was kind of my motivation for starting it. I figured I would try to write it and, you know, see where it went. Okay. And, and just kind of kept going. And it did keep going. And I have a, a copy here that you sent me to review and it's very in-depth. I was very impressed with it. So would you say this book is for everybody who's getting into medical school should buy this book or should pre-meds be reading this to understand what medical school's like and maybe get some pointers on how to handle pre-med well? Well, I think it'll certainly help you if you get into medical school and you're kind of worried and wondering what it's going to be like and you want to get a good, efficient game plan with proceeding with medical school, you know, really to, you know, to make your transition easier and, you know, with the different milestones that you have to pass. I think it's useful for that. As far as pre-meds, if you want to, you know, get an idea of what medical school is like, if you're worried about it, maybe you're not sure if you really want to go to medical school, you know, I think there's, um, at the beginning of each chapter, there's these little vignettes that kind of like are, you know, based off true experiences, which will kind of give you a little glimpse into what medical school is really like. So I think it could be useful for someone who's kind of really just curious and wondering, is this something, you know, I really want to do. Awesome. 
Where can people find more about you and your book? I have a website, so you got into com, which kind of tells you a little bit more about the book. And you can find a little bit of information there. Okay. And the book's available on Amazon and all yeah. those other fun places? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's on Amazon and the Kindle version on Amazon as well. Very I think cool. pretty much exclusively, actually. Okay. Very cool. Daniel, before we wrap up, what mm-hmm. would you tell the pre-med who's out there struggling, maybe with their classwork, maybe with the competition of it all? What would you tell them to let them know that there's light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, it does get better. I mean, every I think every stage I've moved up through, it's gotten life always gets a little bit better. I mean, I could uh, once you get into medical school, it's a nice feeling, you know. Um, the faculty they want you to be there, they want to get you through, you know. So they'll work with you, and they really will work with you to make sure you have a good experience and to help you get through medical school. And then um, afterwards, with residency, I think you're working a lot more. You start getting responsibility, but I feel like it's also more enjoyable. It's a different kind of learning. And every year I, I advance my residency, it gets a little bit more enjoyable. You know, the leash gets a little longer. I feel a little bit more confident. It's a little more enjoyable. So I just say that uh, it does. people will help you out in medical school to help you get through. And um, it does get better as time goes on. That it does. What are your plans for the future? Well, still got a few years left here, and then um, you know, have to see if I want to do a fellowship and something, or I'm not really sure where I'll end up. So, kind of just playing it little by little. All right, the world is still open for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Daniel, thank you uh, for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Real nice talking to you. All right, again, that was Dr. Daniel Paul, author of "So You Got Into Medical School." Now what? If you want to win a copy of his book, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 149. Again, 149. That's the episode number for today. And leave us a comment and tell us what you're hoping to do after you graduate medical school. What are you hoping to accomplish as a physician? And we'll pick a couple winners out of those comments and send you a book for free. I do want to take a second and thank the many people that have left us five-star ratings and reviews. You are the ones that keep us motivated to continue releasing this podcast every week. I appreciate every rating and review that come in. They all come into my email inbox. And so this one says, it's from Mrs. Gray has a nice voice. Well, first of all, it's Dr. Mrs. Gray, but that's okay. She likes to be called doctor. I don't. It's okay. It says, essential, 10. Wow, wow, wow. As a non-traditional pre-med that's been on this windy road for four years now, I thought I knew all of the ins and outs of the application process and what it takes. But I was wrong. They go on to list a lot of awesome stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mrs. Gray has a nice voice. Another rating and review that came in, Saturday is a rugby day. Didn't know that. It says, worth endless praises. It's like my own personal pre-med advisor in my back pocket. Thank you for that rating and review. GoJuryU24 says, amazing. I'm going through the struggles of pre-med life with aspirations of being a DO. Subscribe to this podcast. It will help you future PAs or future doctors and PAs out there. 
And let's read one more picture chick says inspirational and motivational. I thought I had done this earlier, but I'm a longtime listener and Academy member. I am so happy I found this podcast because I'm a non-traditional that had some doubts if I had what it took to change careers. So thank you to Picture Chick for leaving that rating and review and for being an Academy member. We do have a couple more ratings and reviews to read, but I'll hold off on those until next time, which is session 150. Amazing. 150. If you want to leave us a rating interview, you can do so, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Did you know there's an even better way of helping this podcast? Go tell your friend. Go tell your classmate. Let them know what a podcast is if they don't know what it is. Take their phone and download a podcast app. Download this podcast for them so that they know what we're all about. Go tell your pre-med advisor. That's even better. They have access to all the pre-meds. Go tell your pre-med advisor. Have them take a look at the podcast. That's a great way of spreading the word and helping us tremendously. So I appreciate all the time that you take. If you're struggling with the MCAT and you need a little one-on-one help, go check out nextsteptestprep.com and mention that you heard about them from the podcast and you can save a little bit of money on their tutoring packages. They focus on one-on-one tutoring, not classroom style or any other style of MCAT learning. Again, nextsteptestprep.com. As always, I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today, and I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 